So, as you can tell, this talk is on becoming a powerful woman in God's story. It's definitely not going to be a how-to guide. I don't have all the answers. I will never pretend that I have all the answers at all. Um, But I am really, really passionate about this topic, you know, um, girl power. So that is totally me. And because of that, I really have looked into a lot of what the Lord says about becoming a woman of God and um, just the things that he calls us to. So with that being said, I want to get started because we have a lot to cover. Um, So to start off, I really want to take you guys through my idea web. And how many of you guys still do that in school where like, They made me do this in third grade, and I've done it ever since. But, like, before you start an essay, you do, like, a spider web where it's, like, main point, and then they branch out, and it's, like, sub points, and then it's suburb points or whatever after that. So that is what I still do before I write an essay, before I do a talk or anything. I always do that. And my main point, I feel like you guys need to know it to really understand where I'm going tonight. So with that being said, actually, let's back it up a little bit. I think that our culture today really, really pushes and pulls women in so many different directions. There's so many different expectations on who we're supposed to be, on who God says we're supposed to be, and then who um, the world says. So I think it makes it really hard to even be a woman, even more than it was like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, because the expectations are so crazy. Um, so to start off, my main point was I will never be the type of person that says, I am woman, hear me roar, I can do anything a man can do. But don't let me lose you. Um, I am the type of person that's going to say, I am woman, hear me roar, because I am a woman. You know, I don't need to be compared to a man to know who God says I am, to know the fruit, my fruits of the Spirit. I know that... We were created to not be compared, and I don't really want to be compared either. So I think that it's also justified that God, as God created us, we were not created to be, um, one looked at as higher than the other. We were created to be equal. We are equal companions to man. We are the equal ally. We are the, um, we are made equal. We're both made in God's image. We both bear his image, which makes us kind of have the same thing kind of be the same thing, even though we have different roles that we're supposed to embrace. So to start, I do want to say I will be pulling from a lot of, like, verses in the Bible that are, like, the four women verses, like Titus 2, Proverbs 31, you know, all those things that we really are kind of told to look at. But I do want to say that you're not going to get the full picture unless you read the whole Bible. I mean, it's not the Bible's not like a cookbook where you can go to and be like, oh, I'm going to make a meal from Proverbs 31 and now I'm going to be full and satisfied for forever because that's not how it is. We're not going to be able to get what we need to get just out of those um, three or four passages in the Bible that are like the four women passages. But I am pulling from those tonight because they do say the most, but to be like a true daughter of Christ and to know what it means, you've got to read the whole thing as big as it is. So in the beginning, I really want to start right during creation when God has created both Adam and Eve. And right before he creates Eve, he's got the heavens and the earth, you know. Um, he's got Adam. He's like, Adam, name all the animals. And he's like, something is still not right here. Something is still missing. And that's when he creates Eve from the rib of Adam. And after that, he's like, you know, this is it. This is It's finished. 
as he's creating Eve, he calls her, it's, I have the hardest time saying it, but it's called an Aetzer. It's spelled E-Z-E-R. So easy, yeah, E-Z-E-R. Um, spelling is hard. Uh, so, <laughs> so he's calling her an Aetzer, and that's a Hebrew word, and it translates in English to mean strong helper or strong power. And a lot of translations in the Bible, it's really just designated as strong helper, yet both of them, they go hand in hand. So as he's doing that, you guys need to really think about, like, in his first description of what woman is, he's giving her the description of helper and power. And that is huge. I think that says a lot about who we are. And I'm also the type of person where I'm like, yeah, I'm more power than helper. Because I, I just, for some reason, like, I'm like, helper is so, mm, I want someone to help me, you know? Like, people should be helping me out. And it took me a long time to really be okay with that role. And the thing that really clicked, if you're like me, this might help you. The thing that really clicked with me is that Jesus is our helper in our everyday life. So the fact that he's given us this role to also be a helper really says a lot about who he thinks we are and who we're called to be. Because in the end, we're kind of doing the same thing as Jesus if we're living out his image the way we should be. So that means we are also created as a perfect ally and companion for man. We are their equal counterpart. We were the missing piece of the puzzle. We weren't an afterthought. He seriously looked at creation and thought that it wasn't going to be right without us. And that's something that we should really rejoice in. I think that's also a really big thing to remember as we're reading the Bible because one of the most common character traits or one of the most common things that says that women should be is submissive to their husbands. And if you caught my drift on where I didn't even like helper, you're probably thinking, oh, well, you're, if you're thinking this, you're right, because I don't like the word submissive. Um, to, I always am like, oh, that's just so unfair. Like, I want to be in charge. And um, I have that problem a lot of being a really overpowering voice when I shouldn't be. Um, so that w- at first that was a really hard thing for me to deal with. But when I finally grasped, like, that us, when we are voluntary submissive to, um, submissive to our husbands, when we let the order go, like, God, husband, wife, we are seriously living out the gospel, and that's what we're called to do, so I need to check my attitude at the door and be that submissive wife. Um, it, to me, I'm like, well, that's really selfless, but it's really not. <laughs> like, I, that's just throwing myself a bone, like, oh, yeah, I'm submissive, but that's what I'm supposed to be, so... I can't really give myself that compliment, even though to our flesh it seems really selfless to do. My interpretation um, of being a submissive wife is really letting Bo, which is my husband, lead the way. I trust him enough to know his judgment and to know um, his relationship with the Lord, which I think is a huge part. If you're with a man who is not equally yoked, if, if for those of you that don't know what that means, it's like you're not on the same playing field kind of spiritually and we're supposed to marry someone that's equally yoked the fact that I have that trust in him that I know that he is going to lead me the right way helps me a lot um to know he's not going to lead me astray and I mean I call him out like if if I think that we're disagreeing on something we're not we're not supposed to be silent like we need to call them higher as well but the thing that really helps me is To be, when I'm living as a submissive wife, um, following his lead and following in his footsteps and really letting him lead my family, I don't have children, but the thing is, like, 
it really comes into play when you have children as well. They are showing you, they're showing the children how to be, how it's done. Um, and I trust him in that. But the thing that helps me is that it's such an expression of love for not only our husband to respect him um, and to honor him in that way, but it's also an ex- a really expression of love to God because uh, we're honoring his best wishes. Like this is what he's calling us to. So the fact that I am following in that and being submissive, I'm. if I wasn't, I would be doing a disservice to Jesus. So I want to definitely get started and dive into some of the scripture that we are supposed to be talking about through, and I'm going to start with Titus 2, um, verses 3 through 8. So as I'm starting with the scripture, this is basically some of the characteristics that we are supposed to be having as women of God. Um, All right, so here we go. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the work of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Um, Just to kind of give you some context, I have a lot of verses that I feel like God has that I wanted to point out of things that we should, characteristics we should have as women of God. And since they are a lot, I'm just going to kind of be blowing through them. So if you have a notebook and you want to write it down, you can, um, just because it won't stay on the screen for a super long time for you to write the whole thing. So basically in Titus 2, one of the things I wanted to point out is that it says, to show yourself in all respects to be a good model of works. Basically meaning we're called to be role models. There are so many, like how many of you have like a little sister, a little cousin, or a friend, even like a friend that doesn't have to be younger than you, but that's always watching you, um, that looks up to you, and that really like is following in your footsteps. Most of us have that if we're thinking hard enough. So as we have that in our lives, we really need to be watching what, how we speak, how we act on social media, how we walk the walk, talk the talk, you know, all that really matters because they're going to pick up on our actions. So to be a woman of God, you really need to have those characteristics to be a great role role model to raise up the future generation. Um, Next, we're going to talk about 1 Peter chapter 3. And in the beginning of um, chapter 3, it talks on like the submissive wife piece that we've already covered. And then in verses 3 and 4, it says, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of your hair in the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Um, So I want to point that out. It's what is on the inside that counts. You know, it's what is, it's not the, how you look with your makeup on. It's not the hair you've got, like the clothes, the boyfriend. If you're not really working on your heart the way that you should be in your soul, like, you you're being a disservice to yourself and you're not living the way that we are called to be. Um, Because in the end, beauty fades, ladies. But not some of ours. Some of you all out there still got it. Um, Just kidding, all of you. Um, So, so in... (laughs) um, (laughs) 
So next we're going to go to Proverbs 31, which is really like the standard for what most people think of as um, how it's written as like what, how to be a godly woman. And I have so many verses from that, so I'm just going to kind of fly through them, give you the character trait that I really want you to um, hone in on, and then kind of breeze through it. So the first verse is um, verse 11, and it is talking about how a woman of God is trustworthy. So it says, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. And I think this one is really important, especially in a high school age setting, because most of you are not immune to the drama that goes around in high school. Like, there's probably been someone that has betrayed your trust in some way. And if you're honest with yourself enough, you can probably count on a time that you've betrayed someone's trust in a way of like, oh, I won't tell anyone, and then you go tell someone else. Like, that's not what you're supposed to do. So... We need to really be better at being a safe place for others. Um, That's going to be something that really becomes a great value to you in your future relationships and future friendships. The next one is verse 17, and it's talking about how a woman of God is strong. So she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. And I think that we need to embrace this quality because we are capable of so much. I think that, like, you know that saying, like, oh, you throw like a girl. You know, that is just so dumb to me. And... Seriously, it really is dumb. Um, because I played softball and I can, I can throw. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, so I just think that's really dumb. I mean, like we give childbirth for crying out loud. Like we are seriously. I haven't, but the women that have, you guys are crazy. Um, like we are seriously so stinking strong. And the fact that God points that out uh, just really um, just says something about our character. The next is verse 20, and it's talking about being compassionate. And it says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. We are given compassion. We are way more compassionate than man would be. If Some of them, maybe not. I mean, some of them have, like, that quality, but most of them really struggle. So we have to really embrace that quality. I know that in high school, I was, like, I was done wrong by someone. I was, like, I am not going to let my heart be hurt again. So I was, I never showed compassion. I was like, I want to be as heartless as possible because I don't want to get hurt again. But if I lost so much and I didn't, I lost so many people because I, or so many opportunities because I didn't extend that hand because I was just so scared of being hurt and I wanted to keep up that facade. So a woman of God is compassionate. Um, The next is in verse 25 and it's talking about um, dignity, dignity and also having no fear other than God and you probably know it, she is clothed, clothed with strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. I really wanted to point out dignity because this is also something that really gets lost in this age, age group and that because you guys should really want more for yourselves. I feel like so many people sell their selves short in order to get a boy or to take the next step or like get on top and stuff like that and really hold yourself high and have morals because that is something that you don't know you're throwing away when you do, is dignity. And having no fear, I, we should always have some type of fear. We shouldn't be dumb in our choices. But we should, the only person that we should ever really fear is God. And we see that in verse 30 when it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord should be praised. And the next one is that a woman of God is kind. And that says in verse 26, she opens her mouth with, with, with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Pretty self-explanatory there. 
And last is virtuous, which I didn't even know what virtuous meant when I was getting all this. Um, And it means having high morals or standards. And in verse 10, it says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. And then in verses 28 and 29, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. And he praises her. Many women have done it excellently, excellently, but you surpass them all. So those are some of the characteristics that I really love when it talks about how to be a woman of God. But I think that to actually be a powerful woman in God's story, we have to be willing to be a part of the story. We have to be willing to take that next step. All these characteristics are great, and if we embody them, that's great. But if we're stuck in our little hole and we're like, I'm too scared to do anything, or that's too big for me, I mean, we're... We're really doing a disservice to God because he has a purpose for each one of us. So I really want to talk about Matthew 14 for a second because this is something that I really lean on when I'm in a situation that is I feel like is way too big for me, specifically the part where Jesus is walking on the water to um, his disciples. So it starts in verse 22 when Jesus asks his disciples to get on the boat and go to the other side while he dismisses the crowds and he goes up to the mountain to pray. When he comes back down, he sees that the boat's a long way away. So I'm going to start in verses 24 through 26. And it says, but, by this, but the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And my favorite part is in these next verses, verses 28 through 33. And it says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So when Jesus commands Peter to walk on the water, he, he does it. Like, he's taking those few steps, and Jesus is right there knowing, like, he's got Peter's back, knowing he can do it, knowing he's equipped him for this thing. But when he looks around and he sees the waves around him, he becomes really scared. He thinks that his circumstance is way too much for him. And even with Jesus right there, he's still lets it get to him, and he becomes afraid, and he starts to sink. And that is when Jesus says, Peter, why did you doubt? And when he's saying that, he's not, how I interpret it is, he's not saying, Peter, why did you doubt me? Because that's not what it is. Peter's saying, Lord, save me, save me. He knew Jesus was going to save him. Peter was doubting himself. He thought, there's no way in heck I can walk on this water. Um, And he sees that circumstance, and he starts to panic. And I think that we do that way too much. You know, we are equipped by God. He's given us all these things by women. But when we see our problems and we see what he's calling us to, we get really overwhelmed, and we think it's too much for us. And it is way too much for us. But it's not way too much for God. So the fact that he's there and he's with us, it allows us to be able to do it. And I believe that God is calling women to something He's calling us to be leaders in the world. He's calling us to be voices for him. And to be a powerful woman in God's story, we must be willing to step out of the boat. And if we're not, we've already lost the battle. We're already 
we're letting Satan win at that point. So what I'm trying to say is, if you really think about it, all of you are ready to do what God's calling you to do. But if you look to your left and look to your right and, you don't, and you're not focused on Jesus, you're going to sink. And if you don't take that next step, you've already lost. So I want to encourage you guys all, take the things that God has said about you. Take the traits and the spirits, fruits of the spirit that he's given you. Because each one of us have our own personal thing that we bring to the table that nobody else does. And I want to encourage you guys to step out of the boat, walk on water, do the hard things, do what he's calling you to do. Because you're not going to be a powerful woman in God's story unless you're a part of his story. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much um, again for these girls. God, I pray that somehow, some way, something clicked for them tonight and that they'll take something from this and move on uh, and go forward and say, like, oh, yeah, I, want, I really want to focus on being more compassionate today. I really want to focus on, um, you know, holding my head higher, having let, not letting my dignity fall today, Lord. I, I really want to work on that. And that when they see you calling them to something so huge, that they're ready, and that they say, you know, the wind and the waves are big, but my God is bigger, so I'm going to step out of the boat, and I'm going to take this leap of faith, Lord. I pray that all of these girls know their value in you. They know what you say about them, and they know um, uh, just how much you love them, Lord. And you're going to pray. Amen.